Possible for Grampian listeners, it's Angelina, Myrtle, and Karina from Work on Air. For those that don't know WAC, it is Women of Africa Care. WAC is an acronym for Women of Africa Care. And we're so delighted to come to you on this beautiful Thursday morning. It is episode 38, and our topic today is Laughter is the Best Medicine. So before we go into our beautiful topic, I have an inspiration for our listeners today. And this inspiration comes from Angus Buchan's devotion, 134 from the Grassroots Bible, where he uses the New King James Version Bible, and in there he inserts daily devotions. So devotion 134 is called Living Your Vision. Habakkuk 2.2, write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. I love reading biographies and autobiographies, especially those about men and women who have completed their lives here on earth and have finished strong. It is so important to finish what we are doing as Christians. It is a huge statement that we make to the world when we complete the task we are set out to do. Of course, it works the other way around too. When we don't finish what we set out to accomplish, it's a tremendous discredit to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's wonderful we write down our vision from God, but then we have to go for it and see it through to completion. Without discipline, that can never happen. Discipline means knuckling down and getting things done. At so many Christian conferences I've attended, the speakers are fantastic. The ideas are wonderful, life-changing even. But when the conference is over, everybody goes back and carries on as they did before. We need to write our vision down to make it plain so that others can run with it. And then we need to discipline ourselves in order to accomplish it. We need to complete the task, finish the job so that we can be a good testimony to this dying world of a people who follow through. It is important for us as believers to live disciplined lives. We need to be disciplined in our eating habits, in our sleeping habits, in our physical training habits, and most importantly, in spending time in the presence of God. We need to have good, quiet times and read our Bible and pray so that we can finish the work that the Lord has given to us to do. I mean, this is coming from a renowned speaker, a renowned minister of the Word of God, our very own Angus Buchan. So for our listeners out there, Angus Buchan comes on radio every Thursday, just before us, an hour before us at 8 a.m. UK time. and. I've just read out from his devotion called Living Your Vision. This is a man who is a man who he does what he says and says what he does. And so his inspiration is based on his life experiences. So we honor you today, Angus Buchan, and we thank you for Devotion 134, Living Your Vision. So listeners, let us pray for you the prayer that Angus Buchan presents in his devotion. Dear Lord, I pray today that when you bless me with a vision, that I won't just talk about it, but will actively pursue it until I have accomplished it for you. Amen. 
Any words, beautiful Karina, on living your vision? On living your vision. I think for me, the most important thing about living your vision is you can't say that you're going to dream and still be. Um, you, you say you're going to dream, but you're still asleep. You need to wake up to allow that vision to take place. So there's a dreaming period where you have to be focused in your dreaming mindset. And then yeah, if, so you, if you stay dreaming, then all you're going to do is daydream. That's all you're going to do. Right. So you have to wake up yes. and get to action to, to let that vision come to fruition. Yes. So God gives us dreams and we need to wake up and make the dream become a reality or all it will be is a daydream, exactly. says Karina Mohan Prasad. Talk to us, Myrtle, living your vision. You know, Angelina, if you work for a company and you haven't got the vision of the company, you will never stay in that company. I promise you that. We all have a vision for Women of Africa Care so we will stay here for the rest of our lives because we live your vision. And, and why you stay there for the rest of your life is because the Lord put it in your heart. And I mean, I think Myrtle and Karina are one of the uh, testimonies about obedience is better than sacrifice. So our listeners, if God has given you a vision to support another person's vision, just know that their vision creates your vision. Because last year we did a big exercise around how does Women of Africa Care activate everybody that works in the company, their own personal vision. And Karina identified that working for our organization helps her grow her vision, which is opening up an orphanage. And she also gets to exercise her prophetic gift because she walks, she walks, uh, operates in the prophetic. And so she has visions, she has dreams, she has word from the Lord, and that is what the prophetic gifting is. And so she gets to exercise her prophetic gifting in Women of Africa Care as an ED specialist, as well as to be able to help other young women and girls through her gifting. But over and above that, she sees how we work in the communities around um, orphanages and abuse shelters, etc., so her stirring up of opening her global orphanage will come forth as she supports the vision of Women of Africa Care, Women of America Care, and Women of Australia Care. So if you are out there, listeners, and you are working for an employer, don't be despondent. Rather ask the Lord, Lord, how does the, me working for this company open up my vision for life because God brings the right people into our lives and the right resources and the right experiences in order for our own visions to come to pass. I mean, I think about Myrtle as well. Myrtle worked for a wonderful um, logistics company and the Lord put in her heart to be released to come and work for Women of Africa Care. And she wanted to be a chief executive officer for the uh, organization globally. And now she gets to be a chief financial executive for the company globally. So she loves working with numbers. I mean, you must see when she puts the spreadsheets together for economic development and uh, payment milestones, etc. She's so quick in it. I mean, I think about last week, Myrtle, we had intense load shedding and we had to deliver a report to our client. And through the night, you are working in the dark with figures. And the next day when we had to reconcile, you balanced. But that is just what happens. When God puts a gift in you, then that gift gets to be used in the organization that no matter what is happening all around you, you're in utter darkness and you still can 
work with figures. That is how it is. So vision creates vision. So if you are working for an employee, uh, employer and you have a big vision to do something, allow the place that you're working in to open up your vision for your destiny because the vision of the company, you submitting to that vision opens your vision. Okay, I mean, I think about Joseph as a typical example. The Lord put in his heart a vision that he'll have a robe of many colors. Well, he wore a robe of many colors, but the Lord put in his heart that, hey, listen here, uh, um, Joseph, you're going to have your own family bow down to you one day. And he, he probably didn't comprehend the bowing down because he was still immature at that time. But then he got sold into slavery and he was put in the in the house of Potiphar and he submitted to the vision of Potiphar. And then he excelled in his work in Potiphar's house. Little did he know that him excelling there was going to open the door for him to be a prime minister somewhere because he supported that vision. And in supporting that vision, every gift in him began to work. If he didn't exercise the gifts of God in Potiphar's house, how on earth will he be able to exercise the ability to manage finances in one of the most powerful nations of the world at that time, being Egypt? Same with with um, with him when he went into into the prison. He was administrator of or, to create order in the prison. Now I'm thinking if he didn't have experience in working in um, working for government. Even though he was a prisoner, he was able to to function in the ability of managing the uh, administration of the prison. As a prisoner, he supported the vision of the prison wardens and therefore could look after the administration on their behalf. What then happened when he became prime minister? He excelled in looking after the various states of Egypt because he knew how to administer without Hey, in the prison as a slave, as a prisoner, how to look after the assets of Potiphar and how to look after government as a prisoner. Now, as a person in authority, he could confidently walk in his role as prime minister of Egypt because he supported someone else's vision who helped him exercise his own potential that at the point when he could walk in authority, he walked in boldness because he knew the potential that was in him. So please, gospel for Grampian listeners, live your vision by supporting someone else's vision while God is growing your potential so that when the day arises for you to expand in your own personal vision, you can walk boldly and confidently into that vision and not give up when days are dark because you had the potential and the skill sets in someone else's vision so that when your challenges come, you won't run away. I'm thinking again about Joseph, right? He became the, the leader of Egypt in good seven years, but he knew after those good seven years, there were going to be good uh, seven bad years. But because of the fact that he knew God had already told him when he was a little boy, you are going to be in an esteemed position that your own family is going to come and bow down at you. He knew that he was raised up for a position of influence and authority. And then he was built up in the difficult environments of prison and slavery so that when the good seven years disappeared, he had backbone for the good bad years of femininity, famine. Mm -hmm. Same like that, dear, dear gospel for Grampian listeners. When you work for an employer, 
don't be dismayed and said, but the Lord gave me a robe of many colors and said, I'm going to be a person of influence. Yet I am a little employee in a big company and they don't even recognize me. No, submit to the journey, submit to their vision. At the right time, God will pull you out and he will put you in your own place of influence and leadership. And when you are in your position of influence and leadership, you will have backbone that when your company has famine, you will not stop it and you will not run away. You will have backbone like, like Joseph and say, in these good, bad, I mean, in these bad seven years, we will not perish. We will not dry out. We will not as Egypt experience drought or famine because God has given me the grace and given me the backbone to stand up and make sure sure that the entire Egyptian country will not suffer famine in the hands of, of, of the famine environment while I am the prime minister. Amen. So if you want to be a leader of your own company or a leader of your own ministry, you need backbone because dark days are going to come. Ask Joseph, ask David. Okay. <laughs> backbone. Ask Moses as a leader of 3 million Jews. You're going to need backbone. And if you don't allow the journey of transformation and growth to take place by supporting other people's vision, you won't sustain your own personal vision. So having done that, I know it was a long 13 minutes talking about living your vision. We thank you, Angus Bakken, for your inspiration. And we trust that it has blessed our listeners. And now we're getting back to laughter is the best medicine. Amen. My gosh, what a wonderful topic. Tell us, what are your thoughts when you heard about, we're going to talk about laughter is the best medicine. What went through your mind, Karina? Well, I've always heard that saying, laughter is the best medicine. But I think you have to experience it to know what that actually means and what it stands for. So I was excited. I was excited to. Uh, share my experience in the good times, in the sad times, and in the happy times, how would you react or respond to certain situations? Angelina, I'm a very positive person, and I love, love very easily. So for me to talk about this is easy, but uh, there's people out there that I feel very sorry for that are mentally unhealthy, and they can't laugh, and they always challenge people. And, you know, if you don't laugh, you see what I mean? That is what laughter is all about. You try and help them, and in their help, they don't want to be helped. They're rather negative than positive. So laughter for me is a most amazing thing in my life was it, it uh, that keeps me young i promise you that i'm 63 and i feel like 36 that's how young i feel because of laughter absolutely absolutely and i think myrtle came in at the right time she started in our company in december and i, I couldn't thank the lord more then now for her being in our life in the organization, she's part of our leadership team. And so every morning, Myrtle and I pray at five in the morning until 6.30, and we have wonderful times in the in the presence of the Lord. Um, I, the reason I'm saying she came in in the right time, we had some really, really challenging uh, times in, in mid-January in the company up until recent, and I've never laughed so much in my life. 
I've <laughs> never laughed so much in my life, yet we are sitting with most challenging, challenging experiences. We laughed in in times when we're supposed to be crying, we're supposed to be anxious, we're supposed to be overwhelmed, we're supposed to be depressed, because that's what happens when you have business challenges at the magnitude that we had. Instead, we both laughed so much that some of the other employees were like overwhelmed. Why are we laughing? They thought we were insensitive. and um, But they didn't understand that our laughing had nothing to do with the situation. God gave us laughter for uh, instead of mourning. He, the Bible says that he gives you dancing instead of mourning, laughter instead of mourning. And that's exactly what happened to us. We had so much of joy at the most critical times. And we had to actually tell the staff, please, we are not laughing because we're being insensitive. The Lord has put joy in us to be strong in this most difficult time. And laughter is one of the expressions of joy. Joy, you don't have to laugh, Myrtle. But the key here is the way we exhibited joy was we literally started laughing about things that looked, things that one needs to be scared of. We started laughing. You, If somebody had to look at a like a vine that's very dangerous and they, it's close to you or a snake that's extremely close to you and you're going to get bitten, you'd probably, if you're afraid of being bitten by a snake, you'd probably look at that snake and run. We were at that point blank where things were like that. And instead of us looking at the snake and being afraid, we started laughing like you can't touch me kind of laugh. Like I'm going to laugh, but not in a mocking way, but laugh like, you know what? Nothing is going to break me down, not even a snake that is so close to me that can even come and harm me. That's the kind of laughter that we experience. And from that, we felt led by the Spirit of God to talk about laughter is the best medicine. Because when you are in your difficult challenge, you can either end up becoming depressed, becoming anxious, having severe depression, severe anxiety, and going to the doctor and being booked off. Or you can end up having joy unspeakable and laughter from the Bible that says laughter is good medicine and being rejoiceful and still standing strong. I mean, I think about Proverbs 15, 15. It says, he that is of a merry heart has a continual feast. So we ended up eating at that time. We didn't get sick. We didn't starve. We, we didn't get miserable. We didn't end up our bodies being depressed. If people had to look at us, they'll never know that we had such a heavy weight on the business side because we were merry and we had a continual feast. And that is what happens when you are, when you know God. You know, Angelina, I've got a beautiful scripture here. Ecclesiastes 10, 19. A feast is made of laughter and wine makes up merry, but money answers everything. It's not to say when you reach, you're always going to laugh. There's times in your life that you will also go through things that, it's not to say it's going to be um, money, but there's other things that are going to affect your life, um, your life that makes you depressed and stuff. But to laugh, oh, there's nothing better. That's a good medicine for, for somebody's life. Yes, and, and you know, so for those that are listening to us, it, it the scripture ends up saying that money answers everything. In in the world's way, yes, it does. In God's way, you need money 
because it is the answer to feed the poor. It is the answer for you to have a home and have a shelter and have a warm bath and all of that. But I can assure you that money in the absence of God does not make you laugh. Amen. Money without God is sorrow. Yes. It's grief. It's depressing. Um, you know, I'm thinking about Solomon who wrote the Ecclesiastics. He wrote both about the spiritual aspect of humanity and the physical aspect of humanity. And um, here he's talking about the physical aspect where my feast is made for laughter. He creates parties so that people could laugh. And then he talks about um, some find wine. Uh, wine makes people merry, that you have to end up uh, drinking alcohol in order to be merry because wine gives you mind-altering experiences. Therefore, you laugh even when you're supposed to be very, very sad. If you got bad news, you have to drink wine in order to uh, uh, to overcome your depression. Many people take mind-altering medis- medicines to be merry. And then here, Ecclesiastic is saying, but money answers everything. And if people don't have money, then um, they, they, they don't have answers to their, their problems. But what we are saying today that, that, Money won't make you merry. It answers everything, but it doesn't make you happy. Happiness and joy comes from the Lord. Because like we're saying, uh, Myrtle, that we had the most difficult situation that we had to face, and we could have went two ways. Medical aid couldn't answer that. So here's money. You pay for medical insurance. Medical insurance says, okay, if I'm sad, I'm going to go to the doctor and the doctor's going to make me happy by giving me medicine to be happy. If I'm depressed or if my leg is broken, I'm going to go to the medical aid and they're going to fix the leg. Fixing the leg is not going to make my heart merry. So laughter doesn't come from someone fixing my leg or someone answering my physical need. Laughter is something that comes from the heart. And the heart is, um, is, is the, the laughter in the heart is medicine because when you laugh, you forget your pain on your leg. Amen. When you laugh, you forget that, that you're depressed. So medicine doesn't take your, make you laugh. Medicine resolves a physical ailment. But the heart, when it laughs, it, it's, it is medicine to that ailment, right? Absolutely. You know, I want to share about what joy actually is. And joy is comes from the word, the strong concordance, 5479, chara. And chara means joy, delight. Definition is joy, delight, gladness, a source of joy. And the NASB translation regards it as greatly joy, joyful, joyfully, joyously rejoicing. And this is very interesting. The Helpword studies um, defines it as the extend favor, lean towards, be favorable, dispose properly the awareness of God's grace and favor, joy, grace, recognize. Yes. So interesting what Karina is saying. To enjoy this laughter that Myrtle and I are talking about, you have to experience the joy of the Lord. Because in the absence of the joy of the Lord, you can't experience this kind of laughter. Because this laughter goes beyond your, your, your pain, your situation, your hurt. But in the absence of God's joy, laughter is not, it's not soothing. It's not medicine. 
So I think it's important for us listeners to understand that when we're saying laughter is the best medicine, that laughter can can only be a medicine if you're experiencing the joy of the Lord. Amen. The joy of the Lord. Let's talk about um, what do some people say about laughter, okay? This is Dr. Maiden Kateria. She says, I have not seen anyone dying of laughter, <laughs> but I know millions who are dying because they are not laughing. Amen. So laughter is good medicine. Laugh, my friend, for laughter ignites a fire within the pit of your belly and awakens your being. This is Stella and Blake. Yes, that's what happened to us. I mean, Myrtle's not just only the financial director. She's also a friend of mine. And we laughed so much. It did ignite a fire within the pit of our belly and it awakened us. Because no one could shake us or make us get depressed or angry or hurt or worried or anxious or anything, right? So laughter ignites a fire within your stomach that awakens your entire being, right? We could sleep peacefully this entire time. Amen. Right? We didn't lose an ounce of sleep. No. Not, right? Not for stupid worldly things. Yes. We had the, uh, the joy of the Lord. Yes. As that's why we could survive. And we, 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 the joy of the Lord was the foundation that expressed the, the, the laughter that came forth. St. Francis de Sale says, laughter is the foundation of reconciliation. Uh -oh. Hey? I mean, I think of people reconciling. Hi, please forgive me. I forgive you too. I love you. But they look at each other sad. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that is not reconciliation. That is just lip service. That I'm is just, you. I'm just being polite by telling you I'm sorry and you telling me you're sorry. Because if you really were sincerely sorry, then you will be able to reconcile genuinely. So I'm, I need to be happy when I go say somebody, please forgive me. Because I realize that when I'm, when I'm joyfully telling them, please, for, please forgive me, then I know that reconciliation is real. But if I go sadly say, you know what, Lord, I have to do this because I will not be able to face them tomorrow. So I'm just going to look at Karina and say, Karina, I'm sorry but inside my heart is not happy, then that is not true reconciliation. So I agree with St. Francis here. Laughter is the foundation of reconciliation. Victor Hugo says, laughter is the sun that drives winter from the human face. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you could pick up like when we were going through the storm, the wintry people that were experiencing winter and those that were experiencing summer right? People that don't know or don't experience laughter, in trying times, you see the strain on their face. They look aged. They're down. It's, the atmosphere is negative. But yet you can have someone right next to them that is full of laughter and full of joy unspeakable. What happens? They, it's like sunshine they look youthful, they're vibrant, they're energetic. So, of course, laughter is good medicine. It affects your outward appearance. If hey? you're young. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it really, um, it helps you also, in, you know, in, um, when you, in medical also. Yes. They say, you know, you must laugh more, you must be joyful because when you have a frown, you have a grin, it takes up more muscles on the face. Ouch. Apparently. So, yeah, I think laughing is, is a good medicine. It keeps you vibrant. It keeps you alive. It keeps you... People also want to be around people who are 
Um, you know, not sad all the time. That they, sad people draw your energy. Happy people make you happy. Sad people suck your energy. They, they, they. What? What's the word? They suffocate you. Yes. <laughs> Whereas laughter just basically breaks down the changes the atmosphere, changes the atmosphere, atmosphere energizes you, makes you run ten miles instead of five miles. One that doesn't laugh causes you to run no miles. So really, please, <laughs> laughter is good medicine. I want to go into Let Your Heart Be Merry, which is from Judges 19.6. And let's just do a little bit of uh, extraction there. In terms of Let Your Heart Be Merry, it says in Hebrew, it is wa'i yatab, and it means to be good, be pleasing, be well, be joyful, be glad, be well placed. I love that. When you are uh, in merry, when you are happy, when you have laughter, when your heart is well, merry means your heart is well. When your heart is well, you are well placed. You know, the, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart flows the issues of life. A person that is really miserable cannot laugh. But when you embrace the joy of the Lord, you can laugh. Therefore, you are well placed. You are rejoicing. You are making a thing good. You are beautiful. Like you just said now, they're just vibrant. They're energized. They're youthful. They do right. So laughter is a fruit of joyfulness. Not many people will laugh when they're joyful. But Laughter is a fruit of joyfulness because you can't laugh if you if your heart is not right. And joy comes from the heart. A person that laughs without joy is mocking. They're arrogant. But true laughter to be medicine is 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 encapsulated in the word joyful that Karina brought out. Without joy, laughter cannot be a medicine. Without joy, laughter is an insult. It is a mocking nature, not a peaceful, joyful nature, right? Um, I think about Sarah. She laughed. She didn't laugh joyfully. She laughed mockingly. When she laughed, she laughed saying, yeah, right, God, this womb's going to be open to have a baby. She laughed in doubt. She laughed saying, I don't, you know, God, I don't think so. She was laughing mockingly. She wasn't laughing joyfully out of belief. So when we talk about laughter is good medicine, it comes from a merry heart. It comes from a joyful heart. Okay, Angelina, Job 8, Job 8, 21. You will yet fill you, your mouth with laughter, and your, your lip will rejoicing. Awesome. So Job was in dire straight at a stage, but he was still laughing and he said, I will uh, serve the Lord no matter what's happening with me. And he was laughing and his friends thought he was mad, but he stand on his word that he was, he, he will rather laugh than to sit there and worry about everything. And God came through to, for him because of his positive attitude. And, and knowing that, you know what, he is the righteousness in God because they kept on coming to tell uh, Job, you are unrighteous, therefore curse God and die because God put this curse upon you because you were unrighteous. And he like, no, I know my right standing. I'm not unrighteous. I'm not going to believe that lie. 
even though there's boils on me, even though my family has died, I am going to rejoice because the Lord is putting joy in my lips. Therefore, I can praise and rejoice the Lord. Amen. And that's exactly what happened to us a couple of weeks ago. There were some people in the in the in the team that were grieving and that they were very depressed and and had severe stress. But on our side, what did we have? We had joy unspeakable because we know that we are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. Amen. We put the word above our circumstances. Amen. Therefore, they thought we crazy. They thought that we insensitive. But meanwhile, we had joy unspeakable. And out of that foundation of joy unspeakable in our heart, we could rejoice and physically laugh. I've never laughed so much before. I had so much of faith. Uh, Angelina, it's like we had faith. They didn't have faith. Their faith failed them. And another thing, that same day, God came through for Absolutely. us. Absolutely. That's why we say laughter is good medicine because when you have faith in God, there is no reason for you to be afraid, to be anxious, to be worried. So in that time where the physical report looks contrary to what the word of God says, God says, my joy is freely given to you and it enables you to be strong because if you believe my word over your circumstances, then you know my word is going to work for you because that's exactly what happened to Job. The word worked for him. The word was, God, you are faithful. God, you never left me nor forsake me. The truth was, the fact was, the fact, not the truth. The fact was he had boils. His body was smelly and boily. His family, had he'd lost all his children. He'd lost all his finances. That was the fact. But the truth was that the word of God was yes and amen, and God will never fail him. And amen. based on that truth, he had joy in his heart that at a time where his family around him were negative and pessimistic and said, curse God and die, he could say no. He could rejoice with the words that came out of his lips because he had joy in the heart, which gave him strength. So I I want to read something here by, um, this is a book that I got from my sons for my birthday last year. And it is the author called Simon Sinek. And he talks about leaders eat last. We eat last. That is why when there's challenges, we don't perish. We don't starve because we can handle the waiting period right? Leaders eat last. And he talks about endorphins, the runner's high. Endorphins, the runner's high. I love it. So he, when he writes this, he says, Stephen Colbert, which is a political satirist, the host of the Colbert Report, commented during an interview on the importance of laughter in tense times. He says, you can't laugh and be afraid at the same time. And he'd be right. Laughing actually releases endorphins. They are released to mask the pain we're causing to ourselves as our organs are being convulsed. He says, yo, we like laughing for the same reason runners like running. It feels good. But but we've all had the experience of laughing so much we want it to stop because it starts to hurt. Like the runner, the hurt actually began earlier, but thanks but thanks to the endorphins, we didn't feel it until later. The pain was always there when the runner was running, but they only felt the pain later because endorphins were relieved, were released. 
And that is exactly what laughter does. It is the high we get which continues after the laughing has ceased that makes it hard to be, as Colbert says, afraid at the same time. During tense times, a little light heartness may go a long way to help relax those around us and reduce tensions so that we can focus on getting our jobs done. I love what President Ronald Reagan done. I'd actually, I like President Ronald Reagan. And uh, as President Ronald Reagan famously joked with the chief surgeon on March 30th, 1981, as he was wheeled away into the operating room at George Washington Hospital after being shot by John Hickley Jr. Yeah, he's being assassinated. He didn't die on his way to a hospital. President Ronald Reagan tells the surgeon, I hope you all Republicans and a self-described liberal Democrat doctor replied, we all Republicans today, Mr. President. <laughs> but this is just it. Ronald Reagan at a time where he's been shot and he's been rushed to hospital and he's at his death sentence. He didn't die, but at his death sentence, he makes a joke and he tells the doctor, I hope you're all Republicans. That is how it is. And I'm thinking about that, Myrtle. That is exa exactly what we happened to us in a very tense time. We laughed so much. That laughter took us for one whole week thereafter. Yes. And we're still in that mode. We're still in that mode that during the trying times, we're standing strong, we're persevering, we're running our race, we're holding on to the word of God. Like Job, we're holding on to the word of God because we know that God's word is sovereign authority and it will work. We have to just keep on keeping the faith. And it is in that time that God gives us the backbone of joy unspeakable. Absolutely. You know, I'm actually thinking about a scripture in Proverbs. It says, she laughs without fear of the future. And that's exactly what Woman of Africa stands for. We stand without being afraid of the future. What may come tomorrow? Because our faith is in God. Our hope is in God. So therefore, we can laugh without any fear of the future. Because who holds our future? It's God absolutely, that holds our future. Absolutely. And he is our CEO of our absolutely. company. Absolutely. Yes. Lord God, yes. our Savior. Yes, yes. He he, we are the glove in the hands of God. He directs us in the way that we should go. So why must the glove be uh, scared? Why must the glove be angry? Why must the glove be anxious? I mean, I'm thinking about it. If I know I'm a glove in the hand of God, I should be in laughter all the time because I am too powerful to be defeated. Amen. Think about it. I'm just the shell. I'm just the glove. I'm the shell. The power, the wisdom, the knowledge, the riches, the wealth. The eternity is in the glove, which is God. So what is there for me to be afraid of? Therefore, laughter is my medicine because if you hurt me, you're hurting God. The glove is not the power. You're hurting the power within you in big trouble. So laughter is good medicine. Tell us about Nehemiah 8, 9 to 12, Karina. You know, in, the, in Nehemiah verse 8 and 9 to 12, it says, And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is the holy day to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the Lord. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portion to those whom nothing is prepared, for this is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. 
So the Levites quieted all the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy, do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and sent portions and rejoiced greatly because they understood the words that were declared to them. Wow, wow, wow. Angelina, from Cultivating Happiness, I want to speak to the people who are mentally unhealthy. Laughter helps you stay mentally healthy. Laughter makes you feel good. This positive feeling remains with you every after laughter substance. That's what they call it. Humor helps you keep a positive, optimistic outlook through difficult situations, disappointment and loss. I could have go and sit in a corner, Angelina, when my husband passed away. I was sitting with the, with a dead body in my arms for Four hours. I could have sit in a corner and be negative, but I decided life goes on. I have to be positive and laugh because he's in a better place. He's with God. And I believe in God, so I know God is keeping him there for me. So I don't have to fear anything. So um, more than just a respite from sadness and pain, Laughter gives you the courage and strength to find new sources of meaning and hope. Even in the most difficult times, a laugh or even simply smile can go a long way towards making you feel better. A laughter really is contagious. It's, it's contagious. When one pe- a person laughs, the, everybody wants to laugh. So it's contagious. Just he- Hearing laughter primes your brain and readies readies you to smile and join in the fun. Wow. Laughter is good. And like you're saying. Laughter is fun. Yes. I mean, how old were you again? Just remind me when hubby passed away. 46. So, yeah. Myrtle was younger than where I am today. Myrtle was 46 when her hubby passed away. She had two teenage boys, hey, and a huge home with a big responsibility, and hubby passed away. And then in addition to that, when her husband passed away, you had a woman that took your husband's money and used it up. I don't know what happened. She invested she, in, and she lost it. She invested <laughs> all of um, um, Myrtle's husband's uh, uh, investment she lost it. So Myrtle didn't even get to enjoy the inheritance of her husband that, that was left behind for her and the boys. And when you look at Myrtle today, she looks youthful. She's full of energy, full of bubbliness, full of joy. And that loss means nothing to her because God, if you listen to her testimony of uh, last week in the wall of faith, you will hear how God came through for her. So Imagine if you had to mull over all the disappointments. You would have been an old, rejected, miserable, moaning, groaning, complaining person in the wilderness, perishing in the wilderness rather than living in the promised land. Look what joy gave you. It gave you the opportunity to look above and beyond your circumstances that now when you're in the fire, you just laugh. That's true, Angelina. Yes, a few physical health benefits. Uh, laughter strengthens relationships. It attracts others to us 
help define a con um, diffuse conf conflict, promote group, group bonding. Wow. It promotes group bonding. Allowed immunity. Wow, it, it boosts our your immunity. Yes, it boosts our humanity. Before you go further, I like the part where you said that it uh, helps eradicate conflict. That's true. You know, when you're in a conflicting discussion with somebody and you begin to laugh, it just annuls all the negativity. That's the, true. The truth is still in the atmosphere, but you can leave away from that discussion with, with truth, knowing that you still have peace with the person because laughter was part of it. Yeah, it diffuses conflict. Yes. And a lower stress hormones de decrease pain, release your muscles. Wow. It releases your muscles. Pre prevent heart diseases. Hey? It, uh, it prevent heart diseases. Well, you've just now said laughter is good medicine. Amen. <laughs> Karina. Amen. So for the depressed people, please laugh more. Laugh more. Then you wouldn't have to go get depressed. Amen. And drink a little a tablet to make you feel happy. No, your happy hormones is in your brain. I love Just it. Ask God to make you happy. I love what, what Myrtle just said. Now, your happy hormone is in your brain and in your heart. In your brain, your happy hormone is released through endorphins. That's and right. in your heart, it's joy unspeakable that comes from the Lord. So you've got an inward uh, happy hormone, which is your, from your spirit man, which is the joy of the Lord. Then in your brain, which is your anatomy, you've got an endorphins, which are released when you laugh, putting the joy of the Lord and endorphins released out of laughter. You are a power packed powerful women or, or men uh, listening so that you don't end up having to go and become a slave to medicines anxiety tablets depression pills because when you get hooked on those things you are messed up you That's are true. absolutely messed up i mean if you have to be sitting in a meeting people will see that you are taking uh, you know medicines because you're shaking you're nervous you're falling off to sleep you 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 you're in a mess you can't be working in a power-packed senior position or, you know, in a in a position where you're in the front line of the company and you have a high dose of medicines that affect your thinking, that affect your your expressions, that affect your, you know, uh, your, your outlook, your appearance. I mean, people that are high on medication don't take care of their well-being. They live dirty, they look dirty, they stink. It's it, it's because they they they're not consciously aware. They're so high on medicines. They're physically not conscious of their appearance, not conscious of their living standards, not conscious of how they look. Therefore, they go and appear, and they've got this beautiful, powerful voice out exhibited. But they can't finish what they started because they start something, and then before you know it, their depressed mode kicks in. Because why? Their medicines. They've had to take those medicines. They're taking life-altering medicines to avoid stress and anxiety instead of dealing with the giant through the word of God which is the joy of the Lord is my strength please I'm speaking to people out here today gospel for grandpian listeners that are going through med medicinal uh, uh, treatment to deal with anxiety and depression please those anxiety and depression medicines mess your life up you are a hazard to your family you don't live clean because you you're unconsciously aware of your living ways. You can't function properly and committedly in your job because 
The medicines are affecting your thinking and your way of doing work. You can't even stand straight. I mean, I've seen people that uh, that were part of our team that were going through that uh, uh, myrtle, and sometimes you think they're going to fall over. There's an imbalance on their body. The, the, the medicine makes you imbalanced. You're unconsciously doing things you shouldn't do. But, Angelina, that's absolutely highly addictive and and that, that's why i'm saying you, you know you can either do this two ways you can use the medicine of god which is love because endorphins releases uh, hormones to alleviate stress and then you embrace the joy of the lord jesus said my joy is there for you it gives you strength god's joy enables you to have strength for every battle and the endorphins he put in your brain when he knitted you in your mother's womb, when you release that, you can laugh in difficult times. Therefore, you can be your who God created you to be, and you never have to go live on medicines to help you sustain you. There's nothing wrong with medicines because doctors help you to get well. But an addiction messes up your thinking, messes up your livelihood, that you be, you begin to be mind-altered and can't think properly. I think, you know, uh, from the medical point of view, uh, with those types of medications, uh, antidepressants and stuff, it alters a person's character. Yes. So they no longer can be the same person that they used to be uh, in terms of their physical, uh, the way they appear. The appearance also changes the, the, the way that they look in their face, the way that their body is. They lose weight. Some of them lose weight. Some of them gain weight because even though they're taking antidepressants, they go into eating more and feeding that addiction more with food because they can't handle the depression. So with antidepressants do come a lot of side effects. Some can be hallucinations. Some can be um, your, your mind doesn't think the same. So you know, there's a lot of things that do come with taking those medications. And like you said, you know, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And Galatians 5.22 says, the the fruits of the Spirit is joy. One of the yes. fruits is joy. Yes. And that should be our a part of us because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Absolutely. And yeah, you know, there's just, you can't perform in your vision. God gives us visions and they're visions that we need to be able to perform requires God to be in it. You need God power, the omnipotence of God, and the voice of God to ignite the vision that God puts in your heart. And if you are high on self-medicated, you know, things, because you can't handle anxiety, you can't handle challenges, therefore, because you can't face your giants, you end up going and becoming depressed and uh, anxious, you, then your self-medicated uh, you know, resources to help you face your giants, you're actually running away from your giant and pacifying that through self-medicated uh, resources. You then can't hear God. You cannot fulfill the vision God put in you. You'll always have that big vision to go and change the world and make the world a better place because God put in your heart to be a great philanthropist and help the world. But your bottleneck of stopping you of moving forward is embracing the self-medicines rather than saying, let me take the word of God, which is receiving joy of the Lord and allowing the endorphins of 
the happy pill, which is your endorphins of through laughter, to merge through joy, and there you face your giants. Every giant is slayed through the word of God and the, the, the capacity that God has given you, the potential he's given you to face those giants. But if you shy away from that because you've got anxiety and fear and decide to run to a doctor to feed your fears, then you will always be reliant on medication and never experience the true joy of the Lord, and you'll never enjoy the, the, the endorphins that the Lord has given you to laugh, and you'll end up old even though you're young and disabled, meaning you can't move forward. I agree with you. You know, earlier I mentioned that joy um, has defined is grace recognized. So when you when you're trying to fight your own battles through taking these medications, you don't recognize that you don't recognize grace. You don't recognize that the God's grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient for you. That's what God says in his word. You don't recognize what the finished work did, that God fights your battles for you. You don't have faith anymore, but you have fear. And that's how you live it out. There's no more submission to God. There's submission to your own self because now you're operating in the carnal. Now you're walking in a way of the carnal where you're feeding yourself with the worldly things, where you're consuming more things. You're becoming addicted. You're pulling yourself down. You're weighing yourself down because God created you. So the fruits that's supposed to be operating you is joy. And instead, it's not joy, but it's other medications to sustain you because the word of God is supposed to sustain you and not medications like your antidepressants to sustain you and carry you through. Yes. So coming back to laughter is good medicine. We are going back to what provokes laughter, the joy of the Lord and endorphins. When you laugh, you release endorphins. It's your stress pull. It helps you to be happy and high for long moments so that you don't have to be worried about things that are not a intimidation to you. Satan comes in like a roaring lion seeing whom he may devour. He comes in through causing, uh, through sickness. He comes in through uh, frightening you, through problems, through family issues, through financial issues. He brings a bad report in front of you to overwhelm you. Then you need to go into your closet and bring out the word of God and says, Lord, but I, your joy is my strength. And one of the fruits of the spirit is joy and peace. So, Lord, I'm coming and, and immersing myself in your presence so that I can receive joy in time of need. I can receive your peace. I'm going to spend time with joy. I'm going to spend time with peace. Spending time with God is joy. Spending time with God is peace because God's nature is joy and peace. Therefore, the fruits of God is joy and peace. So when you hang out with God, you are immersing yourself in joy and peace. Then out of that, you will begin to laugh in the storms, when you're walking through the storm into the valley of the shadow of death, you are joyful. You will dance like the three Hebrew boys in the fire. The Bible says they danced, Myrtle. They didn't fearfully and depressingly and sadly walk in the fire. They danced in the fire because the joy of the Lord was their strength. Therefore, they could merrily dance. When you experience the joy of the Lord, laughter is an output. Laughter is a result. Not, I have the joy of the Lord, but I'm sad. It's like this. I don't know if you, I, I actually played this game once. 
I don't know if you know the song. I'm happy today, yes, happy today. In Jesus, my Lord, I'm happy today. I grew up, Gospel for Grandparent listeners, with that song. And one day in youth, I said, I'm going to ask them, can you sing that song, Sad? Let me try it to you today. I'm happy today. I'm happy today. I'm happy today. You cannot do it. How can you sing I'm happy today sad? I'm saying to you, you cannot enjoy laughter as good medicine in the absence of the joy of the Lord because you cannot cry I'm happy today. You have to be happy to sing I'm happy today. So if you want to release the endorphins through laughter, you have to experience the joy of the Lord. You know, I'm actually thinking of what I experienced many years ago. So there was a flood that happened and our house was close to the sandbank. So there were some cement bricks and there was a sandbank against the house. And the the water started coming in. And during this flood and everything that was happening, I was sweeping the water from the house and singing to God in the storm and praise Jesus the house didn't collapse or anything even though the storm was so bad my mom and them and everybody we were were all you know we had peace and we knew God was going to take care of us and nothing happened to the house where it collapsed due to the sandbank beans against because God was with us in that storm. Now, now imagine, I'm thinking, imagine if you got sad and, and, and uh, you know, depressed and all of that. Once the storm ended, you would have thought, what a wasted effort because you would have ran to and fro trying to figure out how to help and you would have made more wrong decisions to help yourself because under fear, people make poor decisions. That's a fact. I would, have had, I would have had a heart attack maybe because right? the water was coming in so much. But even during that, I was praising and worshiping God. I'm glad you didn't <laughs> you didn't cry, uh, uh, Karina, because then there would have been more water. More water. <laughs> more. Yeah, she would have drowned herself. She would have drowned herself. Absolutely. So, so Gospel Grampian listeners, as we end our humbly ask you, Don't allow the enemy to come and mess your heart up and mess your mind up. You know, out of the heart flows the issues of life. Keep yourself in God because that's where your joy comes from. And then when you keep yourself in him, when that joy is there, when storms come your way, you are able to take every thought captive unto the obedience of the Lord. But if you don't root yourself in joy, then when a thought comes, fear is going to come in. And before you know it, anxiety, depression, and you are messed up. You will go in the way that Job's wife told him. Job's wife told him, curse God and die. You will curse God and die because you are believing that report that the enemy put in you. He always comes and he puts a thought, okay? You can take captive that thought unto the obedience of the Lord. You know, Angelina, what's so funny, you can see a wind turbine for a windmill. Tonight we had cell blue. And I uh, spoke to somebody and they saw a wind turbine for a, a windmill. I love myself into a state. Okay, so gospel for grandpin listeners, listen. Like I love what Myrtle was saying. She made a joke where there wasn't a joke just so that she can enjoy herself laughing. So go laugh. Find something to laugh about. But the key here, if you want laughter to be good medicine, you have to root yourself in the joy of the Lord. Love 
Laugh and love. <laughs> I love it. Live, laugh and love. Ta-ta. We love you. We love you. Bye.